Well, good day. Here we are again doing uh, church online. And uh, while it's sad for us to be worshipping like this together, we uh, still get to hope and trust that our God is the sovereign God over all things uh, and he is no victim of the tyranny of distance. Uh, he's present with us in our homes, uh, much like he's present with us when we meet in the building at Inogra. And yes, there is something special that he has ordained in our gathering together, which makes what we are doing today a second best, a missing out on something better, which we should hope to have. Um, but what it does mean is that as we open the word and study it together today, as we worship him, he is still with us. And so we can still expect that he is going to be moving to bless us and to grow us further into his kingdom. Um, actually, we've got quite the passage to look at today, so um, I hope you came prepared with a Bible. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, where the first 11 verses took us two weeks to get through um, because of the dense nature of the riches presented to us there. And here in the back end of Romans is no different. We have heard the passage now, and we're going to spend another two weeks making our way through that. Um, this time, it's because what Romans has to tell us, not only is it densely profound that it'll take us a little while to muddle through and get the benefit of it, but also because it's a little bit convoluted in the way that it is worded. And so um, we're going to have to put some effort in to get the gold out. Um, what we're going to read here in this passage is interesting. It's profound. It's important. Um, but it's also confusing. The flow of thought stops and starts, especially at the beginning. Uh, but when we read the whole thing together as a whole, um, it kind of comes together. So today we're going to need our hearts and minds prepared and ready as we tuck into something complicated in order to get a blessing from God. But it will be well worth the effort. A big thing today is a comparison between Jesus and Adam. Uh, and already we have hit on something profound. Both Jesus and Adam are treated here as something more than just individual people, not just two men from history, even though they are those things, but rather they are presented as figureheads, which represent larger groups of people, larger paradigms of the way we approach God. And what that has to say to us about our nature and the nature of our lives is of a great deal of importance for us to understand. Why don't we take a look? We start by looking at Adam. In Romans 5:12, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Confused yet? <laughs> Let's break it down. What is God telling us uh, through Paul here? Firstly, he's telling us about Adam, the first man. In the book of Genesis, we are told that God made the rest of creation in the first five days, and then on the sixth day, he made Adam and Eve. And God then made a covenant with Adam and Eve. And he told them that everything that he had made, the whole rest of creation, was there for their enjoyment and benefit. It's all yours to enjoy. Just don't eat from the one tree in the middle of the garden. That was the deal. But Adam and Eve sinned against God. They broke the commandment and they became sinful. And when they did this, the whole of creation broke. This is the Bible's description of the nature of the world. Together with our first parents, all humans have become sinful. There are a few things we learn about Adam here. 
Uh, he was uh, three of them for us today. He was a real person. <laughs> he is a covenantal head, and he is a type of the one to come. Why don't we talk about each of those in turn? Firstly, he was a real person. Did you see where it said that? Through the one man. Um, this should be quick, but we have some important things to say here because there are some who take a metaphorical reading of Genesis as the way these passages should be understood. And the reason why they do this is to get around the difficulty of reconciling the account of origins in the book of Genesis with the prevailing worldview of Darwinism. The difficulties between these two worldviews actually run much deeper than many people realize because the whole Bible, not just the book of Genesis, insists that death entered the world through sin, and that sin entered the world through Adam. Uh, and then the New Testament here in this passage, for example, will contrast Adam and his work and its implications on the real world with the real historical Jesus and his work and its implications on uh, the world that we live in, which means that Adam cannot be metaphorical. Adam must be real. Um, he cannot be, Adam cannot not be metaphorical any more than Christ can be metaphorical for any of this to make sense. And what is more, any idea which suggests that death and decay predate sin breaks the gospel. Sin and death entered this world through Adam, we read, and sin and death are defeated in Christ. Jesus is God's solution to the problem of Adam. Adam is as real as Jesus. Adam is a real man who lived a real life, whose life has a very real effect on the world in which you and I live. It's important that we know that because this has a lot to say about what comes next, which is this. That Adam is a covenantal head. Sin came into the world through one man. See, that's the next thing we learned, that Adam functions as a covenantal head. What I mean by that is that the covenant made with Adam is made with the rest of the human race, the descendants of Adam. And when Adam broke the covenant that God made with him, we all wear the consequences. He is our covenantal head. This is what is particularly confusing um, in, in this passage. Um, all, that, all that stuff, the, the sort of segue off to the side there. Um, death is the result of sin. That's what we're learning. Death doesn't happen only to those who knew and lived under the law of Moses, the, the Jews. Death is a problem for those who know the law and for those who don't. And for however long there was between the life of Adam and the birth of Moses, all people suffered death as a result of their having inherited the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam was to know God's command and to break it. But those descendants of Adam who have never heard God's commands, break them anyway, and just like Adam, they die. So whether knowingly or unknowingly, whether our sin is just like Adam who knew the command or not like Adam who, those of us who, who didn't know, we have all found ourselves in the same predicament. Why? Because Adam is the covenantal head for all of his descendants. We are all in Adam from the time of our birth. It's important for us to understand. Notice how harsh this is for Adam, by the way. Just, just think about this. Ask yourself really quickly. When Adam and Eve sinned and ate the forbidden fruit, who was the first to eat? 
And the answer, of course, is Eve. <laughs> she was the first deceived. She ate first, and then she gave the fruit to Adam to eat. Genesis is very clear on all of these details. And yet the Bible is absolutely unanimous in insisting that it was not through the sin of Eve, but rather through the sin of Adam that death entered the world and the human race became sinful. This is because both as the man of the house in his family and in his role as the covenantal head for all humanity as our first father, or, um, for those who follow after him, he bears the responsibility of headship for us all. So this is important for us to understand the nature of biblical headship. It is not so much a privilege as it is a responsibility, a thing that you will give account for. It means God has given us responsibility for something and we will give an answer to him for what we do with it. And like all men will give a unique account to God for what happens within their families. God places on Adam's shoulders a responsibility for leadership in this world. And in that task, Adam failed. Adam is the one primarily responsible for the fall. And when Adam fell, we all did. Through the sin of this one man, sin and death entered this world. Now, I mean, some of us might object. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? Like, why, why is it that I should be punished for somebody else's sin? Why should I suffer the consequences of Adam's bad decisions? And the answer is, it's not just his sin. You have inherited his sinfulness, and now you have a bunch, a whole bunch of your own sin to worry about. We are sinners both through our inherited nature from Adam and by our own individual choices. We are sinners by nature and by choice. Read verse 12 again with me if you'd like to see it. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. When you will give an account to God, you will die for your own sin. But you are sinful from your birth, not just by your own choice. It's quite the predicament, isn't it? By nature and by choice, we are sinners. That is because Adam was a real man. Adam really is our covenantal head. And lastly, he is a type of the one to come. Do you remember that um, from verse 14 where it said, Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. Here's where the plane starts to land, and we can finally begin to see what the pointy end of all of this is. Up until now, we've been up in our heads trying to understand some, some strange spiritual concepts, but now we see how directly this affects our life as, as Christians. The, the next section of the passage that we're going to look at in depth um, Next week, we'll unpack this in, in great detail in, in five or six direct comparisons between Jesus and Adam. But the short version is this. Adam functions as the covenantal head of the first covenant. Some call it the covenant of works. Obey me and live, God said to Adam and Eve. It's a covenant of works. Do the right thing, receive the blessing. But Christ is, in a very important sense, the head of a new covenant and a new Humanity, Just like Adam is the covenantal head and the representative of all humans as the first human, the first humanity, the first covenant, all of which has failed before God to do as it was supposed to, Christ is in a very important sense the head of a new covenant, a new humanity. He is the new man. This is all stated a bit more simply in 1 Corinthians 15, which says in verses 21 and 22, For as by a man came death, 
by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus and Adam share a certain set of somethings in common. There, there, there are some spiritual similarities between them in their implications for this world. As the first human and the one with whom God established his first covenant, Adam represents that covenant and all humans who are born from Adam are born into that covenant. He represents the condemnation of the failed works-based covenant and the entire human race which falls short of God's expectations of them. And Christ then is a new Adam. It's like God is starting over again and making a new kind of human race. The life of Jesus is like Genesis chapter 2, Genesis part 2. All of us are born in Adam in the, in, in the fallen state that we have inherited from his covenant unfaithfulness. And our being is now defined by that spiritual status. We know we are in Adam because we are like him. We fail to keep God's um, keep faith with God's commandments. We, we break his will for our lives. We rebel against him. And were that the only option, we would die in our sins and we would all face God's eternal wrath in hell. In fact, many will do that very thing. But Christ has come. Christ has come as one uniquely born and he alone is righteous. He alone defeated sin and death. And now through him, we gain access to a new covenant, a new humanity, a new nature, and eventually a new creation, which means that there are only two kinds of people ultimately on this planet. And that is those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Those who, from the core of their being, the most important thing about them is their spiritual connection to the fallen, imperfect, sinful man, Adam, and those whose being is defined by their spiritual connection to the risen Jesus. All of us are one of those two things. I mean, look, this, this whole letter of the book of Romans has been trying to convince us that approaching God on the basis of good works is foolishness and that salvation must be by grace and through faith alone. And now we sharply begin to see why that is. We need to understand some, some spiritual things that are, that are beyond our eyes' ability to see in order to understand why works is not going to reconcile us to God. We, sh we sharply see it now come into focus. Christianity is supernatural. That's why. It's not about ideas. It's not about being nice. Those things are not going to cut the mustard. You can believe all of the things that we talk about in your mind, but ultimately knowing facts and knowing about the Bible and thinking even that the Bible is true does not make you a Christian. If you have never had the experience of changing over from being in Adam to now being in Christ, then you are not a Christian. This is what it is about. Our being is defined by our very real spiritual connection to one of these two men, two real people who act as covenantal heads, two different humanities, two different versions of the human race, one sinful, one righteous, and all people are either in Adam or in Christ, which of course means that you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. You are either in Adam 
the state that you were born into, having inherited your first father's sin, your being defined by your connection to that man and his rebellion against God, which you inherited. And now at a deeply profound spiritual level, your entire existence before God is defined in relation to Adam. You have inherited his sinfulness. You act like Adam acted in relation to God. You have rebelled from your nature against the one who made you. And that sinfulness defines you in the sight of God. It is the most important thing about you when it comes to God. Even if salvation were by works, even if it was possible to work your way to heaven, just like Adam, you would fail to keep faith and you would not enter that heaven. Adam is, in a sense, like the keeper of your soul. Do you understand? He's like the light that you follow, except Adam isn't a light. He's not a lighthouse guiding us away from the rocks. He's a false light guiding us straight onto them to experience the same kind of destruction that he himself has wreaked in this world. Adam wrecked on those rocks and his siren call is to come and join him and die. You are in Adam or you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, your entire being is comprehended within the safety of his embrace. Your nature, from the heart up, has been transformed to be like your new Lord and Saviour. From the heart of hearts inside of you, you now have come to a place where you love and delight in the Lord your God against whom you once rebelled. And yes, while we understand that the, the sinful flesh that we live in is still not yet transformed, we still um, sin as Christians, but it's not the same. It's not the same because our being before God is not defined by sin any longer. That is passing away. Our being before God is now defined by our very real spiritual connection to Jesus Christ and his righteous obedience to his Father. We didn't get there by obedience, but now that we have received the grace of Jesus, we become obedient from the heart to God who has rescued us. Jesus is the true light, calling all who would follow him, come and live. Come and live with me forever. Come and know what it is to have your soul stand in the safety and the security of a new covenant, a covenant of grace. That's why all of this matters. You. Yes, right now, yes, you. You are either in Adam or you are in Christ. Which one is it? Do you know? Your life is either hid with Christ on high, safe and secure, away from the ability of anything or anyone to harm, safe from sin and its consequences, or your life is exposed in Adam and in eternal peril of facing God's wrath. You are following the principles of this world and you are destined to be destroyed along with it. You are in Adam or you are in Christ. And if you are not yet in Christ, we know the way. We know that it is possible to move from one kingdom into the other kingdom, from being one kind of person into being another kind of person. It is possible for you to experience what the Apostle Paul spoke about when he said, behold, the old has gone, the new has come. We have transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. 
We are all born in Adam, every one of us. There is nobody born of man, born of woman, who is not born in Adam. But there is a new birth to be had into a new life, a new humanity, a new covenant. We transfer from Adam to Jesus when we place our faith in Jesus as the Saviour where we come to him as saviour and lord we don't walk from adam to jesus we are brought graciously by the power of god all you need to do is ask him to lay down your life and say lord i don't want to be that kind of person anymore i don't want my being anymore to be defined by my rebellion against you rather i want to obey you from the heart i want to belong to you i want to worship you the way that your creation should Rescue me in Jesus' name. And he will. And he does. And he is doing even now to those of us who trust in him in this way. You are in Adam or you are in Christ. And those of us who are in Christ this morning say yes and amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Give us the day when the rest of creation will catch up with my new reality. When the whole of my existence, the world that I live in, the body that I inhabit, will be completely absorbed into the obedience of Jesus. We pray that, Jesus, you would come quickly. Amen.